This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Previously on Colors. On January 20th, federal prosecutors in Massachusetts dropped all charges against MIT mechanical engineering professor Gong Chen. He's from China. And many say that he was targeted unfairly as an espionage suspect simply because he's Chinese. We're really at a juncture here where Asian Americans in the immigrant community are facing this onslaught of xenophobia and racism. They face it out on the streets. They face it clearly here within their places of employment. And they face it from the American government itself. Gisela Perez-Kusakawa is a staff attorney with Asian Americans Advancing Justice. We need to end what I believe many within our community believe to be this cyclical pattern of Asian Americans and immigrants being scapegoated as national security threats. Coming up in this episode of Colors. I am Jasmine Clark and I am Black. I'm Rachel Vindman and I am white. I'm Amanda Weinstein. I am white. That is the crew from the Suburban Women Problem Podcast. And we have a blunt, fun, but serious conversation about privilege. We have been celebrating and we had just talked so much about American exceptionalism and how the great American experiment is working so well. Um, And I think if there's one thing that this pandemic has shown, but honestly, it's been this way even before the pandemic. Um, I think the exceptionalism is actually more of just um, accept. And that what I mean by that is um, everybody accept me or, you know, you know, y'all do this, but not me. A group of multiracial suburban women put us on notice. That's coming up in this episode of Colors. Simmering racial tensions. Segregation now and tomorrow and forever. Fighting injustice. I have a dream. Conflict looming. Brutality exposed. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. The search for solutions starts here. From WTOP in Washington, D.C. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. My name is Lars Indus. I'm an Indian Jamaican living in the United States for the last 25 years. My name is Hagar Shamali, and I'm from Connecticut. I'm American Lebanese. I am Carlos, and I live in D.C. I'm originally from Venezuela. My name is Sue Ann Lee, and I'm Korean American, and I was born in the U.S. just south of Seattle, Washington. And I'm J.J. Green. I'm Black, and this is Colors. There are three women that I'm looking at it sound right, boys. Right now on my Zoom screen. And they each are extraordinary persons in their own right, but they've come together to make something even more extraordinary. What we on Colors do, as you folks who listen all the time know, is we talk about race. But we do it respectfully, and we do it with an eye not towards politics, but towards culture. 
this group of ladies, I think, and they're going to explain to us how they did this, uh, came together over a political issue or a political situation or something that grew out of politics. And what they're doing on the Suburban Women Problem podcast, I think, is good medicine for the entire country when it comes to race, when it comes to culture, when it comes to a whole bunch of things. So we don't really do podcast interviews of other people who do podcast unless, of course, <laughs> there is a really good reason for it. And I can't think of a better way to get three different people on the show at one time because usually we do one at a time and it's really hard sometimes. But we've got three wonderful people here and I'm just going to throw the Molotov cocktail in the room and then I'm going to slam the door and leave and I'll come back after it's answered. Who said let's do this? No, I think I was the last to say yes. I think I think it was was it Rachel, Jasmine, and then and then me. And I think and that and this is kind of the brainchild of Katie Paris and Red Wine and Blue of let's show, you know, what suburban moms are thinking. And suburban moms aren't all white, despite how we often hear them talked about. So let's get a diverse group of women in here uh, to talk about what they're thinking about, to talk about politics. And we often find that you can't talk about politics and the news or anything without race to fully understand what's going on. And let's be clear. um, This is a good thing. My question was just for theater. But at any rate, that was Amanda Weinstein. So it's not leave it to beaver anymore. And I'll be I'll be transparent with you. Rachel, you turned me on. Was it ever? (laughs) (laughs) Rachel, you turned me on to that reference. A few weeks back. So um, pick it up from there. I, you know, what are you doing? Your mom thing? I see you. <laughs> are you disciplining uh, yeah, somebody? I was disciplining a dog, actually. Oh. Um, <laughs> a dog who lays on her bed 20 hours a day until I start to do something. And then she walks around. Until you start talking. She's not, yeah, she's an elderly dog. <laughs> um, you know, I I never expected this to be this podcast to talk so much about race and racial issues, but I, it just kind of got started. And one of our first guests, um, was it Nicole Hannah Jones? Um, Sorry. So we had Heather McGee. Yeah. Oh, Heather Cox. Yeah. Heather Cox. Yeah. So Heather McGee was one of our first, uh, not our first guests, but one of our first guests was Heather McGee. And I started reading things that she had written and just really drew me in. And, you know, I realized, I think beyond race, how much the idea of privilege came up. And it's such a charged word in our society today, this idea of privilege and people get really incensed. um, I think whenever you talk about your privilege, because they think that somehow takes away from their accomplishments. It doesn't mean that you don't have to work hard, but I mean, the fact of the matter is people who are white don't, you know, have just innate privilege in our country and doors are easy, more easily opened for them. People are used to seeing white people places. So there's no barrier there. And honestly, you know, there's, there's been a lot of, a lot of things written in the past few years about this. And I just, I try to consume it all and have it be, Hmm. 
you know, just right there in my head so that whenever we talk about these issues, but, you know, that being said, like, we had a really interesting conversation this, this past weekend, just among the three of us. And um, I think Jasmine might be the best person to talk to, uh, to, okay. to talk about that. But All right. um, well, we're oh, gonna, yeah. we're I learned gonna, a lot. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't doubt that either, because I just, in the minutes that we met before you two came on, I learned a bunch from her too so but that's what you get when you get an air force veteran and you get a microbiologist and you get somebody as smart as rachel venman together you're always learning something so i want to make sure that folks know who you are and then we're going to go to you dr clark to talk amanda weinstein is an air force veteran turned economist and jasmine clark is an elected representative in Georgia. Is that right? Yes. And she's the first black woman ever elected to represent her suburban district. And Rachel Venman, for those of you who aren't familiar with the name Venman, Alex Venman is her husband. I'm not going to say she's his wife because (laughs) she is, but we're giving her her due today. I remember when he made his comments after President Trump was impeached and a lot of really bad things happened to him and their family, but she lit it up and she did it in a respectful way. She did it in a responsible way and she did it in a fiery way. So, you know, this collection of three women here is just something, like I said, America can learn from this. So what was that conversation you had last weekend, Jasmine? All right. So um, I think it all started when um, the news came out about the mom in Virginia um, who showed up to the school board meeting and, you know, to talk about mask mandates and the fact that she was done with the mask. And uh, her words were uh, her child is not wearing a mask and she will show up to the school um, with every gun loaded Mm. and ready. Mm. Um, And you know, I watched this happen and in horror um, because I was like, oh, my gosh, uh, surely she will get arrested and this is going to be. And then she just walked out and she was like, I'll see you on Monday. And I'm like, what? You yeah. Let that have been a person of color. And by person of color, I mean a black person, a Latino or Latino person, a uh, Muslim, any anyone else they would not have been able to leave the building and do what she did next, which was go to her car and um, in her, you know, little innocent voice say, Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it that way. And it took an entire day for this woman to be arrested. And then after um, being arrested, she was let out on her own recognizance on a $5,000 bond. Let me just tell you, I know people that have done far less and have had much bigger bonds. Um, Terroristic threats is a crime. And, but it's always, it always seems like when a crime is perpetrated by someone who is white, um, there are excuses made as to why that crime was perpetrated. It's always comes back to, oh, well, they were having a bad day. Like we literally had here in Georgia, a white man go and shoot up spas And when they had the press conference, the police chief said, yeah, he was having a bad day. These are the types of things that I see. These are the types of things that my 13 year old daughter sees. And it comes down um, to, you know, uh, audacity 
I, as a black person, don't even have the audacity to feel like I can show up to a school board and say those things. (laughs) So that's why I don't do it, because I feel like the response will be so much more um, uh, forceful than when someone who uh, does not look like me does the same thing. And so then that brought us to a conversation about an incident that happened at Amanda's house. Before you get to the next incident, let me just jump in here a little bit. And uh, I've got a few questions for you. But even if you could, Jasmine, do that. I'm guessing you wouldn't do that because, you know, <laughs> no, <laughs> you well, see, but you... that's the thing. It's not historically. That's just not the way I am able to handle things. Yeah. I cannot just go and threaten the entire room and think that that is going to be a productive way yeah. of getting anything done. Gotcha. I've never been able to move that way through my life. I'm not going to give my age, but I'll just say I'm very close to 40. And in the time that I've been on this earth, earth i have not been able to move in that manner and so that is the way i govern myself and how i deal with situations that arise so if i don't agree what i can't do is walk into the room and threaten everybody yeah that's i am not able to do that that's a non-starter i'm going to get to that incident at amanda's house in a minute but first i want to ask you all this question the day you go on with your show and I think you're, you just started your second season. I can only imagine the kind of feedback you got or some of it you got, because it's my understanding that this started because of something Lindsey Graham said, you know, the senator from South Carolina saying something. And this is a political thing. Like I said, we don't do politics on the show, but if they come up, we deal with it. We don't run from it. We deal with it. And he said America had a suburban women problem. So, all right. People, I'm sure, listen to your show. They don't agree with what everything you say. Um, do you hear from them? And when you do, what do they say? And how do you handle them? I mean, I think it's an important point that the underlying thing he didn't say, what he meant, is they have a white suburban women problem. And part of this show was to show him, like, you have more than a white suburban women problem. And so that I think is an important distinction to make is that he has a bigger problem than he thinks. <laughs> and a lot of the reaction that we've gotten is um, especially, I think, from a lot of the moms who are minority moms in these suburbs, like, oh, it's so nice to have one representation. Thank you, Dr. Jasmine Clark. But also it's nice to hear the voices of different people and talk about these issues and not shy away from them. I love that you don't shy away you know, from political things, if race comes up when we're talking about political things, we don't shy away from it. Let's talk about it. Nah, we got to do it. You got to jump on it. So, all right. Do you ever get people that engage with you? I don't know how your process works. Do you have live callers or, or, or none? So none of that's live, but okay. So what about the responses you get? Because you can't see this, but I've got a stack of envelopes here that I've gotten in the last year is probably about 300 of them. And these are threats. These are people telling me, I know where you live. I know what you do. And this is over national security stuff. Okay. So when I started doing this race podcast a little over a year and something ago, (laughs) then the volume kind of tripled. Right. And it was worse. I mean, I've been getting this kind of thing forever. I mean, I've been a journalist for 30 years, but here's the deal. It's gotten more intense. It's gotten more frequent and it's got me wondering what you do, how you handle this, because I'm almost certain that you get this kind of uh, get this kind of communication, Rachel. 
Well, certainly our family is is no uh, stranger to threats based on, for us, it would be our religion um, for being Jewish, um, in addition to just, you know, I mean, the regular stuff that's been said about my husband. Um, and the more we get into this space, we're like, oh, see, I knew it, they're political hacks. Um, they can't imagine that, you know, we became involved in politics after what happened to us. They just assume, you know, what they want to believe is what they believe. Um, and everything will point to that for them because that's where they are. Um, I don't think we really get a tremendous amount of feedback, although people often will reach out to me on social media, um, you know, with, nasty things i don't think they bothered to listen to yeah, the podcast you know what? I, um, just, i'm impressed that people listen to you and let me just write you because let, I feel me, like- <laughs> let me just jump in here i've actually seen one of your twitter engagements <laughs> with one of these people and i have to appraise you for the way you handle this you know something happened a couple weeks ago and i saw how you dealt with that and it's just like you dealt with the dog a minute ago it's like that look <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a look i wish they could just see the look and then they wouldn't do it now um, but it's, it's, you know, what Jasmine didn't say when she was telling the story, and I don't even know if she, maybe she didn't say this because she didn't realize how, how impactful it was. But what she said to us the other day, because we were, we were discussing, I think the book cast, um, you know, after the, you know, in light of the, the woman in Virginia and the threat she made. And, and we were discussing like some, some things in the book cast. Amanda had sent us some screenshots of the, were some pictures of the book that she had highlighted. And, and it was kind of this under, you know, sort of how to explain or understand where people are coming from. But Jasmine said something that just hit me is like, there is no excuse for racism. Stop trying to explain racism. And like, cause our first response needs to be that is not okay. And then, you know, I mean, of course, the, the book is, you, you know, it is about sort of seeing where we are, how we got here, you know, it's all these things. And then that's all very important. But our first immediate reaction to racism needs to be, that's not okay. And I don't care why you believe these things. It doesn't matter because there's no excuse for it. I think, and, and to relate it to something that's just really germane to me is kind of how, you know, I would react with our daughter if she did something wrong. Like, first, you have to say, this behavior is not okay. It's not acceptable in our home. And then you can explain it. Then you can deal with it or, you know, the underlying issues. But first, just no ambiguity that it's it's not okay. And, um, and that's, I think, you know, whether it's on Twitter or whatever the case may be, but a real clapback, an immediate clapback. And to say, look at what you're doing. Look at what you just said. Look at the assumption you just made, All whatever the case may be. And I feel like we have just way too much tolerance, myself included, on this like, you know, racism of all forms, whether it's just really overt or it's institutionalized or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, We've we've let it go really far without any kind of pushback. You know, this is really impactful what you're saying. And I'm thank you for saying that and reminding us about what Jasmine said, which we didn't hear. And, you know, this is the thing that people need to hear. They need to understand that. And so 
what I'd like to do moving forward here is I'd like to learn a little bit more about what you, your objectives are, what you want from what you're doing, what you're getting from it, and just how you're going about it. So I've got a series of questions I'm going to ask, and I'd like each one of you to respond um, as briefly as possible, but in, in, in as thorough manner as possible. I'm not asking you to, to cut your remarks short, but I just make, want to make sure we get all the stuff in. So the first thing I want to ask you is, do you... You've been on the air for you. You've been on. You've been a podcast for a year, a season now. Have you at any point, especially Amanda and Rachel, gotten tired of this? Because one of the things that has come with me doing this particular podcast, a couple of people have told me that there are white females out there that are sick and tired of the uh, privileged conversation, and they feel like. People are dumping on them. You kind of mentioned this a little bit early on, Rachel, and they, to their credit, have gone out and marched and supported and said, you know, tried to be good allies, but they've had enough of it. So do you ever get tired? I would say for me, no, not yet. Amanda. But so I'm an academic and for me, it's an interesting conversation. And the most interesting conversations I think don't come from when someone agrees with you, right? Because when someone agrees with you, you just sit there, nod your head and you move on. It's not that interesting. But when you have a different perspective, which Jasmine gives us so willingly, you go, oh, for me, talking about race is an academic, interesting conversation. And I can approach it kind of in an academic way, right? For Jasmine, she can approach an academic way, but it's more than that, right? She has this emotional connection to it that I don't because I will never and can never experience what it feels like to be treated as a black woman, but she has, and she knows that. So she's going to come and challenge me and, you know, make me think about it differently. And for me as an academic, like I live for that. I think I want to be challenged. I want to learn something new every day. So, so Jasmine, tell me how that that challenge thing goes. I mean, the pushback. Is there a point where you realize, okay, I need to just, you know, stop here? Or do you just, just do you just let it flow? And how does that work? So it just depends on the day, but I'll be honest. There are some days where we're having a great conversation and I'm agreeing. And I will say this, like Amanda and Rachel and I get along very well and we can have these conversations even when they get a little uncomfortable. Hmm. Um, but, you know, going back to the conversation this weekend, um, it really started out as like, you know, trying to understand you know, people who are doing these things and how everyone's on edge and, you know, all these things. And that's when I was like, whoa, 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 wait. Okay. That's all good. I understand I'm on edge too, but we cannot make excuses for racism. And, you know, it wasn't said in a way to be, you know, uh, disrespectful because I respect them immensely. I just think that when you are uh, when you ha- your lived experiences really um, mold the way you move through life and the way you think about things. And a lot of times, if you haven't experienced something different or seen the world through someone else's eyes, like actually seen it yourself, it might be hard for you to grasp why someone might um, be turned off by or might not uh, agree with, you know, your approach to trying to rationalize things. And so that conversation really like, you know, sprung from me saying like, I hear everything you're saying. I love the book cast. um, But I also, um, you know, 
I, I, I'm trying to make sense of this world as I move through it. And I, I can't make excuses for racism, especially as I raise a son and a daughter in this world. And I want to leave it better than um, I found it. And thinking about my own ancestors and how that was their same vision. They wanted to leave me something better mm -hmm. than they had. I'm a state representative. I'm a microbiologist with a PhD. A lot of those things I would not have be if it were not for people before me. However, the world that I want to leave for my children is even better than what we have now because we are still a long way from where we need to go. And so, you know, um, that's that's how I move through life. But yeah. if you haven't dealt with this, your ancestors didn't, you know, deal with the fact that, you know, for example, my grandmother was in her 40s before she was actually uh, had the right to vote. I'm not even 40 yet. So at this point in my life, sorry, that's okay. <laughs> um, it's all right. My dog Stella. Um, at this point in yeah. my life, my grandmother was still unable to vote. Yeah. I feel you. I hear you. So, um, yeah, dissonance. There is a lot of dissonance in our lives, you know, and it seems to me that there's a lot more of it when we start talking about and, and engaging on uncomfortable issues. So, Rachel, this question about getting tired of fighting, you've been fighting another thing longer than you've been in this podcast. I mean, the whole thing with Lieutenant Colonel Vindman goes back to 2017. And the reason I asked this question is because somebody asked me this question and I, I said to them, look, no, I don't have the option of not. I don't have the option mm -hmm. of quitting. You know, I can't do that. Um, so I'm kind of thinking you might have come along that same line when 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 when, yeah. when all this stuff broke out with you guys. Where, where, where do you come down on that question? Well, I, I just think the more, you know, the more you have to act on. I can't know what I know now. I'm changed because of I'm changed because of the events of 2020, because I was sitting on the same sofa and watching the news and seeing what was happening and really confronting it for like kind of the first time. And um, I'm embarrassed to say that in some ways, but everyone has to start somewhere. So I'm willing to admit it because um, I hope it can be helpful to someone else that they can also be 45 and, you know, uh, change, change their views on things. But I was confronted because of the videos, because of the videos of Ahmad Aubrey, because of the video of George Floyd, because, because of what happened. And, and I realized, um, you know, that that stirred something to me and that changed something. And the podcast didn't happen until a year later. But at a time when I had been so focused on me and so focused on our family's safety and our family's future, I realized this is, these are issues that lots of people face, I mean, in different ways. So kind of had to zoom out a little bit. And, um, you know, both my husband and I both uh, were, um, we, we were both really touched and, and moved by the events um, of, you know, May and June um, mm -hmm. and in the summer of 2020. And um, now, I can't imagine being exhausted or being over this fight. I'm always wondering how to be a better ally. And in fact, I, I just started writing a piece about that because it's really been on my heart. So, mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's a very difficult piece to write. I don't want to get anything wrong. Um, and, 
and and I and I was trying to write it this morning, and I realized how, how challenging it is. But this is is just something mm-hmm. that I see as um, an extension of what we went through, what our family went through is is learning how to use, you know, our privilege and our opportunity to be an ally for others. Um, and to that, I would just add one little thing: is you know. My husband is an immigrant to this country, but my husband is a white immigrant. When people see him, they see themselves. And that is a really big advantage that he has. And it's something that he also had to face of, you know, he knows the challenges his family overcame, um, but he also knows that uh, it's a lot worse for, for many people. I've had a conversation with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, <laughs> and, and I can say it shows very happy that I've had a chance to do that. Um, next question to you, Amanda, to start with. Um, what's the most difficult problem we face as a nation, and how do you guys tackle that on the Suburban Women Problem podcast? Ooh, I think the biggest problem is how we wrap our minds around systemic issues that flow into our politics, our policies, how we interact with each other, when we don't understand the systems of how we got here and what's at play, we have a hard time, I think, getting better policy, getting better policy for people, even talking with people. And I think understanding systems and systemic issues is the biggest issue we have right now. Uh, Jasmine, your thoughts on on the big problem, the biggest problem that we have? I know it's a big question, but Yeah, it is a big question, Um, (laughs) but I have some thoughts Um, on a previous. uh, I'm sorry. It's okay, dog. Come back to me. Stella Stella. is. um, Yeah, she's really enjoying all the neighbors walking in front of my home right now. Um, If you want to come back to me, you can or I can just go ahead and go. No, go ahead and go. This is a part of this is the family friendly podcast and love it. Okay, Um, so. I think our big issue, and I brought this up on the podcast the other day, is that uh, we have been uh, we have been taught, we have been celebrating, and we had just talked so much about American exceptionalism and how the great American experiment is working so well. Um, and I think if there's one thing that this pandemic has shown, but honestly, it's been this way even before the pandemic. Um, I think the exceptionalism is actually more of just um, accept. And that what I mean by that is um, everybody accept me or, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, y'all do this, but not me. Or this is for you, but not me. Everything except for me. Go ask Boris Um, Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) And and so I think that we have this issue where we um don't really have the sense of community um, and, um, you know, just like collective, um, the collective good in mind a lot of times. And that really uh, causes a lot of the issues um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to, you know, the things that we deal with in our country, whether that's racism, that's sexism, whether that's, you know, uh, income inequality, all these different things. It really boils down to uh, we don't advocate for each other as long as we got ours. Um, And so I, I think that's a really big issue. And if we could all decide that we're in this together, I think we can move a lot better as a country but we're, we're not there. Brilliant. 
That's brilliant. Um, uh, Rachel, we want your point of view. And I'll say, ladies, we have seven minutes left. So we're now going to hit the lightning round, as they say. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah, I think the biggest problem in our country is that we don't listen to each other anymore. We're so many people are just completely walled off to hearing other points of view that differ from their own. And it's, it's such a dangerous place to be. And that's why I, I hope what we try to do on our podcast is talk about these issues and kind of demystify them, give people a few talking points that are real people talking, not, you know, not experts and academics. I mean, although we might have them, but, you know, to, to see how to discuss things in a regular way so that they can go out, our listeners can go out and start those conversations with people in their community and just, you know, make connections because we, we really have a problem with this of, of people not talking to each other. Well, that was, that's kind of, that was kind of where I was going to go with my next question. And uh, I'll start with you, uh, Jasmine, if you're able to, at this point, Um, what's the most important objective of the podcast, the suburban women problem podcast, what's your biggest objective? Have the difficult conversations. Don't shy away from them. Have them and be open to listening and just, you know, uh, listening to different points of view. That's the way we move forward. As Rachel said, we've got to start listening to each other. And you can't do that if we shy away from the difficult conversation. So that's what we're all about on the SWP. So, Amanda, the 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 most important objective as 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 Jasmine said is have the difficult conversations how many difficult conversations can you have though i mean do you ever have great conversations about great things about i mean is it all just characterize the flow of conversation i mean is it all difficult is it all tough is it kind of 50-50 or what is it Um, I think it's a little all over the place, which I like. I think it's tough. I've cried on the podcast. (laughs) No. Um, But I've laughed. And I think we can go in one podcast from like crying to laughing hysterically and cracking jokes. And I think we have it all in there. And overarching, I think we all have a lot of fun on the podcast. Yeah. So, you know, I hate to say this, but, you know, do you ever argue on the podcast? I hate to ask this question, but I need to ask it. Do you? I think we like each other too much for like fisticuffs, <laughs> but we do disagree and say, well, how about <laughs> this? Have you thought about this? Well, that was very polite. Is that true, <laughs> ladies? I think it's true. I mean, but but we do have areas where we disagree. I mean, I think yeah. some are more progressive than others. And the lived experience is has been different, um, mm-hmm. whether it's where we are in our lives, um, you know, in different okay. stages of our lives. So it just it gives a different a different experience and a different light on it. But, um, okay. you know, and the fact that we, we do respect each other is and we don't like, you know, have knockdown drag outs. I mean, again, I think that the world certainly our country can kind of learn from that as well. Yeah. You know, I was listening to a podcast the other day and some guy, he said that uh, nobody here cares about the Uyghurs. This guy, this guy is a billionaire and he owns a part of the golden state warriors. He's an educate. So he's, I mean, he's like a, a really educated dude, but he said that. And so sometimes I just wonder if in the heat of the moment, things come out. Um, I'm thinking that with this group, you ladies, that never happens because you're too smart for that. 
Um, but I've been a part of podcasts where things have come out and it's like, oh, did they really just say that? Did I just make them do that? Is it my fault? So, but anyway, um, so as you look at tomorrow, the next day and the next day, is there a plan for this podcast? Is there a plan for your relationship? Is there a plan for what you want America and people beyond to get from you, um, Amanda? I would say for me, my plan and what I would like to see is uh We need to listen to women and women who look different than what we look like. I feel um, women and, you know, people of color have been left out of conversations and have just been discounted. And we've talked less about what they need in terms of policy, in terms of resources. So I feel like even just listening to say like, you know, I could really use some paid leave as a mom of three right now, or I could really use, you know, some childcare. It's really hard to be working without childcare. Even just talking about the things that we need from our own lived experiences and our very lived experiences um, are what I hope just to continue that women and women, uh, diverse women get to be part of our political conversations always. Okay. Jasmine. I would just add to that um, because I think Amanda uh, made it pretty plain. Um, We need to not uh, we need to not shy away from uh, inclusion. Mm -hmm. Include voices. Stop running away from it. Stop trying to, you know, make it seem like if we include other people, then something bad is going to happen. and Everything's going to implode include other voices and and listen you know we have two ears one mouth let's use them in the proportion to which we have them listen more speak less (laughs) perfect rachel yeah i mean going forward i I just want to continue to highlight uh the voices of of women who's uh experienced and you know is different than my own um people from whom i can listen i I can learn something. And I think the, the critical thing is that we have an open heart to, and we don't make a judgment on something unless you've heard from someone and and you you've heard what their experience and what they're going through. Okay. Rachel Vindman, Amanda Weinstein, Jasmine Clark, they are the suburban women problem podcast team and they are the, the bomb. There's no doubt about it. Listen to them. They have a serious message for us, America and world. Thank you, ladies, for joining us. Thank you, Jay. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I didn't get to that question, Amanda, about what happened at your house, but we'll do it next time. Promise. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. All right. Stay tuned for some thoughts about race in America and details about our next guest. You're listening to Colors. My name is Tony McAleer. Uh, I'm a Canadian living in Vancouver, British Columbia, and my ethnicity is English-Irish. I was not a tough kid growing up, uh, and when when I came across you know skinheads and met them, and I was terrified of them, but I was also drawn to them because they had the one thing I didn't, and that was toughness. And what I got from joining. Uh, with those guys is people feared me for the first time, not because of me, but because of who I, who I was. And I got power when I felt powerless. I got acceptance uh, and approval when I felt unlovable and I got attention when I felt invisible. And it's, I think it's, 
when we have a deficit of these things in our lives, those are the vulnerabilities which make these movements seductive because they offer a false shortcut to get those things. I didn't have power. I had the perception in my mind that I did, but I didn't have power. The birth of my, my daughter and my son 15 months later, and by the time they were four and six, I was a full-time single father. And I saw my humanity reflected back at me through their, through their eyes. And my mom had to help me you know, raise them. And she taught me a very important lesson about compassion. Her love for me was unconditional, but her relationship with me was very conditional. And she used that to leverage me away from going to events and social circles and, and that type of thing. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. If you have any questions or comments about Colors, send us an email. You can reach us at colors at thecolorspodcast.com. That's colors at thecolorspodcast.com. Coming up in our next episode of Colors. Who's really, who's really down for the cause, for a lack of a better way to say it? That's Thomas Warren Jr., senior podcast producer at NFL Media, the plight of black men in America. When the news cycle changes and we get 30 days, 60 days, three months, six months down the line, are those same people still going to be willing to use their voice? And I think that part of it has been been lost. It's it's classic ally fatigue, right? Yeah. It's what happens when things move on. And so that's why I've asked the question, and I've had it in my head so much is what made George Floyd different? Because it wasn't the first time we saw a black man being killed by a police officer on video. He talks about diversity, equity, and inclusion, the world he works in, and of course, race. That's coming up in our next episode of Colors. My name is Lars Sindus. I'm an Indian Jamaican living in the United States for the last 25 years. My name is Hagar Shamali and I'm from Connecticut. I'm American Lebanese. I am Carlos and I live in DC. I'm originally from Venezuela. My name is Sue Ann Lee and I'm Korean American and I was born in the US just south of Seattle, Washington. And I'm JJ Green. I'm black and this is Colors. Time to leave again for now. But as we go, we want to say thank you to some folks. Hillary Howard, Mike Jakaitis, Allison McGinley, Jennifer Selig, Pierre Thomas, Stephen Portnoy, Joel Oxley, Julia Ziegler, Rob Stallworth, Peter Masurlian, Jasmine Orsted, Melissa Howell, Thomas Warren, Mike Hammer, Alexander Evans, Tom O'Connor, Gene Meserve, Andrea Stallman, Jamal Bowens, and Kevin Stanfield. And... For our music today, we thank Offshane. We thank Jesse Gallagher, and we thank Cosmic. And most of all, we thank you for listening. And just a reminder, keep talking to each other. And just as important, keep listening to each other. You can subscribe to Colors on Apple, Spotify, Podcast DC, Podcast One, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America.